2022. What the fuck is even going on? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Welcome today, back to Detroit Dart Talk. <laughs> uh, today and, we're going to tell you what the fuck was going on. I, I don't even think we know. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> um, so we've, uh, by the time you hear this, you will have heard our interview with uh, the RIT mods. And uh, you will have heard the good experiences we had at FoamCon. Uh, we had some great uh, interviews, great interactions with some people. There were plenty of people that we would have loved to have sat down with. We just didn't get the opportunity um, because we wanted to make sure that we actually enjoyed FoamCon this year. Um, you know, we... Yeah, so why did we participate if we wanted to make sure we enjoyed FoamCon this year? <laughs> that's, the, that's the question. I mean, but we did. We did. So we did enjoy FoamCon, yes. And we did participate, so... I think we struck a happy medium. We just didn't get as many interviews in as we probably could have. Yeah, if we were serious about making, you know, hardcore content, you know, the real hardcore content, we would have interviewed from the bathroom. But if we were serious about producing a lot of content, then we would have, uh, you know, actually not had a booth and we've gone around and interviewed everyone else like Bobo was doing, which is obviously shorter. But uh, we still managed to sneak in a few. Hope you all enjoyed that last episode. Ah, It'll have been two episodes ago for them. Oh, yeah, that's true. But uh, let's start it off with FoamCon. We're talking about it, right? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed FoamCon. FoamCon was a wonderful. Yeah, it was so good this year. In fact, for me, highlight of the HVC. Um, hopefully, Adam <laughs> can join us later, but I think he would not. I'll speak for him. I think he would say it was his favorite part. He did say it was his favorite part. Um, um, yeah. I really wish I had taken advantage of the food trucks because I've heard multiple people say that the food trucks being there was really yeah so the thing that made this year special was that we were not really even off campus we were in the campus for this event and it was in their their uh, i forget the name of the facility but it was inside their indoor track basketball sporting was it, um, center was it gordon hall or gordon, gordon field house gordon, gordon field house yeah, yeah. Yep. Good, good memory um this was uh, a beautiful indoor facility i guess it's the benefit of being so far north up in new york they have great indoor facilities for when it's everything is covered in snow and ice and you don't dare go outside so um big building two levels it had a a second like a terrace level and uh, the end war crew rented out the whole building so there was access to this upper balcony so people could go up there and have a meal sit down take a break and there was a partition along the middle line uh, that separated uh, this floor to ceiling space, which was I don't know how tall, but like state, you know, like a good uh, performance venue, maybe 50 feet tall, 40 feet, 50 feet tall, somewhere in there, maybe 40 feet tall, maybe 30 feet tall, maybe it was only 10 feet tall. <laughs> but it was tall enough to have like access scaffolding up top. They were actually pretty serious about us not launching blasters up into the air, and in spite of how big this whole building was there really wasn't a ton of like loose darts like rarely were there loose darts just you know hitting someone else's um if that helps give you give you the size i mean full size indoor running track uh was was the the scale factor for this this area and half of it was where all the booths were set up and half of it was an open play area with some obstacles and uh was just open if you wanted a distraction to go play some games over there and there were quite a few people playing every time i looked over there there were more than a handful um less than a entire elementary school's worth of people <laughs> playing over there precision numbers only allowed <laughs> and 
And, and so that, that proved to be popular enough whenever I looked over there. Um, I, I'd say that with how big this facility was, it could swallow a lot more people. Um, it felt a comfortable level of, in, of crowded or engagement. I mean, it was certainly bigger than, than the last end war in Georgia Southern's facility that or the rental venue that we that they had for the previous year. So um, fitting this many people in here. There was there was one time uh, that it was crowded, but I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, but before we talk about it, well, the time that it got crowded, um, Alex, you want to talk about the booth? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'll say that despite you saying there were not that many darts flying around, I did get shot in the side of the head our way through FoamCon. <laughs> Wait, who? Sh- well, was that intentional or unintentional? Nope. Uh, it was someone a ways across the way decided to shoot at someone else, just literally into foam con, and the dart hit me. Huh. So I kind of was looking around like, who the hell did that? And I saw this like kid with his mom way over there being like, sorry, we were aiming at him. I was like, who? There's a crowd of people. Don't be idiots. Was that like, um, like Boomco's booth? Or not Boomco, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Boomstick mods. No, this was this was just like random people out over towards like the entrance area. Like apparently decided to shoot at someone, I think, walking by. Like basically doing every unsafe thing you shouldn't do with a nerf blaster. Uh I mean, to be fair, there were no rules about what you could or couldn't use. Well, and we'll get to the no rules and no safety later but our booth uh we wanted originally to have two tables but we were apparently the last people who got into foam con like the last uh, booth to be filled and we only got one so we and our request was still pretty early relatively speaking yeah foam con filled up fast apparently so we set up we set up the provided table with the podcast stuff um and then overflow from the secondary table, which was a folding table I brought, and we kind of made an L shape, uh, and Adam and I each took half of that long ways for our Etsy stores and just covered the ever-living crap out of them, all the stuff we brought. Um, and we had, uh, I think we, we both kind of overflowed onto the edge of the talk table. So the podcast table, we had the recording stuff set up so that we could grab random people walking by and pull them in for interviews. And we set up some camping chairs. And then Adam and I kind of stood off to the side and, you know, chilled out our wares and tried to get people to buy stuff, which Adam made out like a bandit towards the end. I did not, but that's okay. Um, and yeah, that was, it was a fun time. I think we, we had a good little like trap set up where if someone walked into the L, they couldn't get out without looking at our stuff. <laughs> so yeah, they would come in, they'd get slowed down and then you'd be like, here, take this, put it in your hand and shoot it, shoot it, yeah. shoot it Pull right the now. Would, the you, trigger. would you say it was the better Meowser trap? Uh, I mean, people wanted to buy Meowsers, so I would say you're right. Uh, here, here, put this in your hands. Oh, can I buy this other thing? Yep, that's else. Yeah. literally how it worked. Oh, this thing's so amazing. Ooh, what's that? Is that a quick? Ooh, oh, shiny. My God, I want to buy it. Yeah. So Alex did a cool thing. You can also do this description if you'd like, but uh, he had done his take flight, and this was the premiere, the world of the take flight. And oh, wow. he and you brought three, I think, of them? I brought three. One started malfunctioning halfway through. Actually, no, I had four. I had one for sale. 
Oh, right. You had your nice, or, like, sorry. shell hydrogen yeah, had, one sorry, that people no, had, actually wanted to buy. Yeah, I had my personal one, sorry, that was not for sale. And that's the one people were actually like, ooh, I'd buy that. I was like, God damn it. And then I had three of the standard ones. So, yeah. So he had it, and people would come in, and they'd be like, and he'd be like, here, put this in your hand. And be like, oh, you built a, a Easy E kit uh, takedown for short darts. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That is not what happened. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I think people thought that you like just built someone else's kit and were selling pump action short dart takedowns when it was your own creation and a one of a kind. So it was it was very awesome. You 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 elicited huge smiles when people would actually pull the trigger and it would rev up and clunk clunk clunk. Very daka daka. I would have liked to sell some of them, you know, to help cover costs for the trip, but. It was very nice to see the the genuine reactions people had. Like that's that's one of the things I like about being a designer is that when I can do something that elicits like that type of response, it gives me like that you know good feeling rush that makes me want to do more. So that was really nice to see a bunch of, even though you know some cash would have been nice. <laughs> but yeah, so while we were at the uh, FoamCon. We actually did have a chance to walk around. It went long. I want to say it went longer this year. And there's yeah. some talk of making it even longer again in the future. Um, I think that was one of Drax's desires for future FoamCon. Uh, but but we got to walk around a little bit. I would have liked to have spent more time on the walking around part of things. But it was it was really fun to go and, and see everybody. And uh, the Out of Darts Splash only Eli Wu bo- uh, booth was a personal favorite of mine because it turned out Eli's a, a pretty cool person to talk to and his products that he brought to show off were just incredible. So momentum was there to play with um, impulse. So momentum's the dual stage brushless uh, compact solenoid powered blaster. That's supposed to be like, you know, kind of a pseudo it's not quite an FDL killer, but will sort of fit into that same niche of a brushless product you can buy off the shelf. And that'll be a out of darts thing that they're supposedly working on providing for sale. Hey, Eric, so that was, you, you can't kill something that's already dead. Well, you just killed this podcast. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta pour out a drink real quick. Uh... It's like, did, did you, did you actually kill Eric? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> My first pause was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, okay, you're right. That is sad. Sorry about that." Um, so yeah, Impulse is going to be apparently available eventually for purchase. That was very fun to play with. There's another blaster that was a bullpup version of that same similar type of technology. Really fun to play with. And uh, sorry, not Impulse, Momentum. And then Impulse was the AEG with like CNC machined, lower chain driven, big old powerful blaster that was uh, that was very fun to use and, and trial as well. That one um, I had Eli walk me through the the functionality of it, and uh, that was a that was a monster. I mean, in the end, it still shoots a dart, right? So it's it does it does a thing that we all know how to do. It shoots a dart pretty hard, but it does it in a very unique. And and honestly, kind of a kind of a learning curve complex way. So there's it has so many features that it can be a, a bit of a complex beast. It's not just something you pick up and go. But uh, yeah, very very cool blaster. I wish I had made it over to his booth to actually look at stuff. My only interaction was when he was like getting set up. I went over and told him I was going to fight him. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. 
So that that was my favorite booth. What were y'all what were y'all's favorite booths? Uh probably Gavin's. Yeah, they had a they they were just nice such nice people. I enjoyed the spread that Silver Fox put out. Like I thought they had a really nice display. They had a lot of really nice high end fancy blasters. So I enjoyed getting over there and looking at a lot of their stuff. And I've got to give a shout out to Boomstick Mods booth because they were our next door neighbor. Yeah. And such a Neil is such a nice guy. So I enjoyed the little bit of interaction I had with him at FoamCon. I actually interacted more with him at Endwar, which we'll talk about later. But um, cool guy, very cool guy. Yeah, nice neighbor to have. Good, yeah. a good neighbor. And you know what? If he's listening, I want to point out. Thank you for being so considerate because when we got there, we had a lot of stuff and we were sort of spreading a little bit. We were, our booth was going a little bit beyond our edges, let's say, and, and uh, would have been nice to have a little more width to our space. Um, we, we made it work, but he was a great neighbor in sharing with us and actually like not making a fuss about like, you guys are past the line, you know, or anything like that. He was just a very nice person, great to talk to, and also a good neighbor. And on that same vein, let's give a shout out to Griever Nerf, who is our other neighbor on the other side, who I feel like we encroached more on his, but he was cool because he didn't have anything up against the back wall. And he just told me, he's like, yeah, yeah, put as much stuff there as you need. It's cool. So uh, shout out to Griever Nerf as well. Yes. Thank you also for being a good person. We appreciate you. Um, Also with the Silver Fox thing, before we take too long on FoamCon, um, they had a number of blasters made with that tri-blend multi-blend filament um if they maybe they made them before tri-blend went out of business or was purchased or whatever but those were super cool to see in person the blasters that change color like rapidly they you know would have rapid color changes those were so so cool to see oh yeah yeah those were awesome those were nice tim you got a favorite um well besides gavin's you know i mean oh i'm sorry you did say that well, descri- mean, can you describe it a little bit more? What well, did they have on display? I mean, so like I got I got my SBL kit, which was cool. But like um, honestly, so my big thing at Enwar was patches, and they had some really cool patches. They also had probably the best stickers I think I have ever seen. Um, they were nice. They're 3M adhesive backed, and it's it's almost like a plastic with adhesive on it rather than, you know, just a sticker. They're like super heavy duty quality. And he had yeah. uh, the GF, um, what is it? GFC? The, G- the GFZ logo. Yeah. 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 The GFZ logo. And then he had the Nerf Singapore uh, logo, uh, both in that type of uh, sticker. I just, and when I went to go put them on my pack out the other day, I was like, man, these stickers are amazing. Um, but just, you know, I think his, what, what he had appealed to me the most, uh, you know, I bought my SBL kit. I bought a, uh cnc plunger for a spam that i still have to install um no spam or, uh it's the plunger and catch i should have gotten two of these anyways um i should have gotten a metal breach while we were there because i was still in a bit of a whirlwind but i have one of the beta metal breaches um also their patch game was you, you said they had good patches there they had the uh, sbl and the spam in patch form and they were wonderfully detailed. So that that is a woven patch, um, which you do get a lot better detail uh, out of those. Um, those are probably some of the best woven patches I've seen. Yeah, um, we were looking into that for a project. Yeah. Um, 
the I think the only other time I've seen um a woven patch in the hobby is the original Ragnarok patch. Um but yeah, they really nice, really good quality. And they're pretty much in my colors. Yeah, they were very cool. All right, so uh after that we we were there for a long time. Um Erica brought us uh Wendy's, which was great. Nice uh greasy meal to get ready for the uh the evening's activities. Uh I think we've rushed back literally threw our stuff on the ground and uh loaded up and and came right back as soon as possible. Yeah. We were yeah. we were almost late. Um honestly, it just wasn't enough time for us to to go from to go from the the unpacking to the the actual beginning of the event. Uh because they did start on time. I mean, every mission was was run in a timely fashion. Yeah. And that's that's the most positive thing I can say. The first uh, the first mission we rolled up to essentially the welcome registration. Uh took a minute to find because it was sort of not buried into campus, but you had to you had to go up a hill that beeped at you. I don't know if they were counting people as it went as you went it in was, and out. It was it was the sensor for the lights for the evening. It was weird how much it beeped. It um, it was. You had to cro- you had to go up a hill through this beeping sign, or you could just cut through the plants, I suppose, which some people did. And you had to cross a bridge and then enter a courtyard and in the far end of that courtyard is where the uh where the mission uh the welcome and apparently the waiver signing because the, there was no safety briefing there was no rules introduction there was no waiver signing all of the uh the measurement and chronoing of your blaster was done at FoamCon, and you had to get a zip tie at that time. Now that was—I never got back around to it. That was the line that was super long. There was a stupid long line to get blasters chronographed. They had some issue with chronos and not having enough until so, somebody came to their rescue. Yep, yep. I heard Alex some, and Adam both. Yeah, some guys from Detroit or something. Some do-gooders. I don't know. Some nasty little do-gooders came around and uh, lent them their chronographs. <laughs> So that the uh, so that the blaster check-in station could actually like start chewing through this line that was wrapping around. The, this is a big space, and the line was wrapping around, not entirely around the place, but it had a good quarter to a third of the the building of line. So yeah. you know that's people who weren't enjoying the show, who weren't buying things, who weren't participating in the event. Um, yeah, it was probably like thirty minutes to get through that line. Yeah, and and yeah. there was some real inconsistency too. And we, we I think we talked a little bit about this in in our pre-show pre-show yeah we didn't yeah. go into detail on it that um, was that was issue number one in fact you're, maybe we should spend a couple minutes not long but a couple yeah minutes so that. when i was over there one of the chronos had broken down um so the head moderator and i think i think maybe it's best if we just refer to him as head moderator um yeah for reasons that will become apparent um the head moderator was walking up and down the line uh to see what people had so that if they didn't need to chronograph, they weren't standing there in line. But their criteria for dismissing somebody was kind of skewed. Like, so I was standing there, I had my FDL, I had my spamf, my super spamf, and my hammer shot. And he goes, okay, FDL, that's fine. Uh, spamf is fine. Uh, super spamf, you're going to have to chronograph that. Uh, hammer shot's fine. <laughs> and then he, you know, walked away. I was like, wait, seriously? Because... <laughs> you know, super spam and the spam can have the exact same internals and they could hit above 130. So yeah, I just uh, kind of scratched my head there. And and then there was, there was other account uh, accounts I heard where like somebody had a stock Nexus. Oh, stock uh, that stock. It's fine. Um, hmm. 
no. <laughs> yeah, so they were very inconsistent in their chronograph checks. Yeah, and there was an issue where they had a rule for no exposed wires on your blasters, um, which I totally get. Um, right. And they had been very clear that if you had exposed wires, you need to make a cover for it, you know, do something to cover it up, tuck it in, whatever. And I, I heard some people get told they could not use their blasters at end war because there were wires out and other people got right through with multiple wires. I think someone had had their lipo literally taped to the side of their blaster with wires all coming out of it and still got through. So, you know, not putting the blame on anyone, but players notice that type of thing, you know, and in the feedback afterwards and everyone's talking, that gets brought up. And it, it left a bad taste in some people's mouths. It's just that inconsistency, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but other than that, and their chronos kind of having issues, once once we lent them the chronos, the line sped up a bit. Uh, and they were pretty good, you know, when I was in there, they were pretty good about getting people through very quickly. Um, I definitely think some of them kind of took note. Like, if you, if you seemed like you knew what you were doing, they kind of just gave you a little, like when I walked up and I was wearing my Detroit Dartworks stuff and the chrono I used was literally my chrono with my Detroit Dartworks sticker on it. And then she kind of laughed and it was just <laughs> like, boop, boop. Yep. Chrono and on my own chrono in war. That's, that's uh that's check that off a list somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I even had an extra blaster. I was like, Hey, I know the rule was like three blasters at a time. Can I just go ahead? She's like, yeah. Or two blasters at a time. She's like, yeah, just go ahead and be quick about it. <laughs> That's funny. So, so yeah, like it was a it was a while to get through the line, but I think they they did start kind of hitting their stride, um, going you know getting better as they went. But there was a lot of uh, there was just a lot of people, and and the inconsistency kind of detracted from it. Inconsistency detracted. Not, I mean, probably from the blasters. Like when I became a zombie, I never got shot by anything that made me go like ow that really really hurt which that did happen in a previous end war by the way i had i had a specific person who is in a video not taking attack (laughs) unload a mag into my face and it hurts so much at one of the end war previous end wars um but in this case yeah it it, it never really it never seemed to be an issue for me personally i bet you that it ended up you know probably affecting someone but uh the inconsistencies did not end there yeah you know, I'll, I'll say that, you know, we'll talk later, but I, I played a zombie for day two and a tank zombie. So I got shot a lot um, and I never got shot with anything that really hurt. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't think it was a big issue. I'm sure there had to have been someone. But overall, the, the, the FPS levels were good. Was very good for this. Yeah. Event. yeah. Brains brains comment in chat. Um for the live listeners, Patreon listeners can listen live to the uncut version, by the way. Um, Brain has a really good point that they didn't check darts unless it was shot through the blaster. Like, they just, you, you chronoed with your darts. They never, like, sifted through your darts to make yeah. sure you didn't have FVJs mixed in there or something, which were found um, when we were out there. They were they did find some F, FVJs either by accident or on purpose. So, yeah, it, it was out there. So that was a miss. Yeah. But uh, we kind of got off track. It was an important setup uh, to talk about the beginning of the event. So mission one showed up to the uh, initial story briefing. Hold on. uh, There's one more thing that we need to mention about at FoamCon, because they did the actual check in there where we got cards 
that we were told they they were our intergalactic passports. It was supposed to be a multi pass or something. We were told we would need them for the entire mission or the entire game. Um, which is true. We did sort of. Yes, sort of to check in and out. Um, so these will come back up, but it's important to mention that we got them at FoamCon and we were told we would need them the entire game. So, okay. Uh, so we got to the, uh, this courtyard, which I said was a little bit of a over the river and through the woods type of adventure to get to. And, uh, it really wasn't that hard to find once you knew where it was, but first time was a little bit confusing. Just followed the herd. Which works yeah. Out. With our pack outs. Yeah. Y'all carried pack outs, which was yeah. super overkill. I regret, I very much regretted it because of that initial hill. I just don't hauling that thing up the hill. I don't regret it at all. Well, yeah. Yeah, just different playstyle. To me, that's way too much stuff. But for you, I mean, that's the way you like to play, so it was perfect. And um, we were expecting, in like previous years, there was an indoor staging area. Um, and when this uh, this first mission was, was starting off, everybody's standing in, in the middle of a field, and we have no idea, no idea about what is available, what what's happening. Um, eventually, the there was a, a process of forming the lines, signing some waivers, Listening to a, a welcome speech, um, Drac did a did a you know welcome, glad you're here, all that kind of stuff, and then it was a okay. A game starts in I forget what was it. Game starts in like ten minutes or a, a time that started, and you had to go on your phone, go navigate to the Facebook page, and the mission briefing was a video posted on the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, now, not and and we need to clarify here because. We've seen videos on YouTube used very effectively for mission briefings at previous End Wars. This was a two-minute, very vague... It was flavor text. Flavor for the text, mission. yes. Of... And so it was like, a, at this point, it's like we were sure there ain't no safety briefing. There's no rules briefing. There's nothing. You're just, it was just go, which in, in some ways, in the ignorance of the moment, to me, that was exciting. It was like, we're here. Game on. Let's do this. New place, exciting challenges ahead, vague, you know, vagueness. Like there was there was initial excitement for me in that moment. But for the rest of you with packouts, it's like, where do we put this down? And and as uh, <laughs> Spy Mike would like to point out, um, it was a five minute window at best. Yeah. From and the, from and, the finish to the start. And exactly like you said, Eric, OK, what do we do with our gear as game is live and zombies are active? So we figure out where the gear drop room was and brain was like literally guarding our backs Mm -hmm. as we're all hauling our gear into the briefing room, which they did notify us was in another courtyard. It was one courtyard over at the far end inside of a, another similar type of building of what we've had in the past. It was an auditorium of sorts. And that was primarily a moderator room where they could like discuss what they were going to do stored some props and then also gear drop yep so pack outs go in mission starts and this is when it paid to be a little bit of a veteran because we um and actually you know what i shouldn't say a little bit to be a veteran we were ready we were on good to go shake the rust off quickly (laughs) i got a shout out lightning eagle right off the bat here who walked the campus the previous night so he knew what the heck was going on or like where things were um and so we we began the mission of finding these these 
um, gates. So the story was find a series of five gates, and at each gate you had to get your intergalactic passport uh, marked in some way, which turned out to be a hole puncher. Mm-hmm. And, and you had to get what were those holes punching through on the other side? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those moments where you get in the real world and something doesn't work. It's like, oh, we should have tried this beforehand. Yeah, so the other side of the cards that the passports we were given had a QR code that we were supposed to scan, and then it took us to a sign-in and sign-out form. And that was part of RIT's like campus thing where they wanted to see who was on campus, and then you're supposed to go back and uh, change your answer to signing out and re- resubmit it when you left campus for the day. Um, and yeah, that uh, one, when you start punching holes into a, a QR code, it kind of messes up the QR code. <laughs> yeah. So that was an issue. And so I just have to mention this. They did rectify the situation in the worst way possible by posting the QR code to Facebook. So you have to borrow your friend's phone <laughs> to check <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there was some, com- someone put a comment up that just had us rolling with laughter, which was like, why wouldn't you just post the link? How is this any good to me? <laughs> And look, like I, I will always say thank you for putting on – let's start off with this. Thank you to End War Team for putting on a free event. We yes. Didn't say anything for – thank you for organizing it. Thank you for hosting it. Thank you for doing all of this. But also get a little I, – I, I need a beep button. I'm looking for a beep button to beat myself. Get a little in self-awareness. Get a sense of humor about your mistakes. Like it's no big deal if you can acknowledge that – made a silly mistake like it's a silly mistake to punch a hole through there it's also a silly mistake to to have to like post a picture of a qr code like haha whoops that's really dumb and silly post the fucking link you could have followed that up with a link and laughed about it because it was a funny moment we're all like wait what how does this help (laughs) now so we start we start mission one right we go to collect these eric what was the name of our squad again speed squad because we weren't speed squad that's for sure yeah and just if we can if my mic will pick it up that is the last mead that we brought i've kept it i have kept it for this recording nice good choice i i need to go get meaded up i'll be right back Ah. (laughs) sorry um i'm just holding that um (laughs) nice (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, so the first part of mission one wasn't bad. It, it, no. it took us all around campus and we had to find these five different moderators around campus who had a hole punch and some of them had us do little tasks. Other ones just punched it and let us move on. Um, mm-hmm. So that part was cool. So once we had, we had gone through the five gates uh, and gotten the multi-pass punched, then we had to find the sixth and final gate that would extract us from this planet and the backstory was that meteors were about to crash onto the planet so we were trying to get off the planet before you know armageddon basically and and we had been told that the safety zone whatever the the last gate the the transport off the planet only had a certain capacity so if you didn't get there quickly enough you could be left behind yeah that was part of the two minute cryptic uh, yeah, that... and so we we had a debate on whether that was real or not. Was that just a tactic to make the groups be fast, you know, and they would accept anyone, or was there actually a cutoff? 
Yeah, and uh, so, yeah. and and th- here's my biggest rub: like the entire, well, I should not the entire game. The biggest part of what I have heard everybody complain about would have been solved if they had done proper mission briefings. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, you want to do videos, like I mentioned before, we have seen that done properly. Uh, if you look at the End War 18 videos, they had the flavor that these videos gave. You know, they, they started each mission briefing with a spoof of a Disney song, and then they had uh, the moderators dressed up at the, as the Disney princesses or as Ricky Rat or whatever, um, giving the theme of the mission, which is what these videos did. But then they actually had bullet points and talked about every mechanic you might encounter in that mission. Yeah. So if they had doubled the length of the videos, they could have done that and solved probably half of the issues mm-hmm. that came up. And yeah, then the, the biggest... other the other half sorry. The other half would have been solved if they had just had somebody in the room to answer questions. Yes. Which that's and... that was also what End War eighteen did. You know, each group had a moderator that kind of went out with them. They weren't giving the mission briefing, but they were in the room to kind of ask questions to before you went out. So it wasn't a huge involvement. You weren't, you know, everybody didn't have to be public speaking, but there was a way to clarify game mechanics. And that's the biggest thing. There was so much confusion about game mechanics for this game. Well, that's what I was going to hit on. The biggest complaint I heard that stretched for the entirety of the event, uh, you know, looking back was the word confusion. Players just felt there was too, like, like some confusion in an HVZ is inevitable because it's just, it's a hectic time. But the overarching theme that people felt negatively about was that they spent way too much time confused and, and trying to figure things out that they should, they felt they should have been told. And if you think about it, we've, we've already stated that we felt that missions three and four went better than one, two, and final stand, right? And yeah. the moderators that were around for three and four were the RIT moderators that did you know, more of the game design and were able to properly relay information to the players asking the questions. So we were able to get the proper clarification. You know, a lot of times when we saw things go south, and we'll get into that this, you know, as we go through the missions, it was because one moderator was either giving conflicting information or didn't understand the game mechanic and shit went sideways. Yeah. So, so we get, we get our stamps back to mission one. We get our stamps. We, we find our way to the final gate and at the final gate, we see Drac dressed up in like a a star Wars outfit. It was, Um, it was a poncho. It was like a, it was one of, I thought it was one of the rebel ponchos. Is it a rebel poncho? I thought See, so. I, I figured it was more like, um, like Firefly or, uh, it could have been. It reminded me of the uh, rebel indoor ponchos. Uh, okay. That the troop that they had, but it could. I don't know. It was a sci-fi poncho. Um, and I believe Jake from the indoor crew was there, also dressed similarly. And there were when we arrived, there were small groups kind of crowding around them. And we went up and well, wait. Let, we let's fa- be honest. There was a small crowd around Jake, and there were there was a huge crowd already around Drac. There, well, there was a large crowd. It it got huge. 
(laughs) after we arrived. Uh, And they were, Drac was taking five people at a time. And basically when he took them, he would take your, your cards, which we had been told you had to hold on to. And apparently was, was originally trying to give them back to people and then people stopped taking them and he stopped trying to give them back at that point and just pocketed them um, and then set them out later in the briefing hall for people to reclaim. Uh, but he would take five at a time and then he would move to a different location. And so this group of people were following along and there wasn't a great system for it. So it was just people shoving cards in his face for him to take. And I, I saw him get a little annoyed with some some overly aggressive people and warned them that if they didn't stop shoving cards that close to him, uh, he, you know, he wouldn't take anyone. Um, you know, wouldn't save anyone. And I'll just take a note, a uh, second to mention, like, I understand that frustration, but that also could have been rectified by a little better game design yeah. on that part. Yeah. Um, yeah. That whole mission was shoving things into people's faces and, yeah. In general, all of much of this HVZ was a very clear reminder of human nature. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this one, save me, save me. Well, and that was part of the frustration some people had was, you know, our group was following him around for a little bit. And people who had arrived after us were coming in, getting in front of us and getting saved. And I think by the, the third or fourth time this happened, I was walking with uh, our good friend, Justin Pinnell. and. He, we just looked at each other and he was like, dude, this is such bullshit. And like, you, we just started getting up, like feeling angry about that. Like this, all right, this is, this was funny the first time or two. Now it's getting annoying. And then some of our group realized that the other mod, Jake was also taking people or he was, you know, if Drac went to Jake, he would take people. So they went and waited there and got taken pretty quickly. And then I got taken pretty quickly after that, just by, clever placement of my card you know in the correct distance from drac for him to grab it and um so let me jump in here real quick so we were in a group and sebastian and i were holding up our cards and sebastian got taken and i was like don't leave me don't leave my don't take my son uh or help save my son you know something like that save me and my son he's like all right you get a freebie so he actually took six in that group that's good yeah that's good um yeah i that attitude was required. Everything that you've been saying about like clever positioning of your card, because our our wonderful Adam was there for like forty five minutes, and we oh were early. Goodness. We were one of the er- not the earliest, but we were one of the earlier groups into that whole we quad area. Yeah, so like we I... had some of the best chances. I was I was taken out like like that like really quickly. Yeah, I took I took a rough count of how many times people were saved. And I believe over a hundred people were saved between when I got saved and when Adam finally got saved. Jeez. Like, and and it was, you know, he's not here to tell the story right now, but you know, from, from the recounts I've heard, it was, I believe Jake who literally looked at Jack and said, dude, this guy's been with us for so long and made sure his card got taken (laughs) when he finally realized like, Oh crap, I keep seeing you. You haven't been taken yet. So kudos to uh, to Jake for that, which by all reports that I heard, this was, I believe, Jake's first time moderating an event. And from everything I heard, everyone was very happy with him. They thought he did a fantastic job. 
So yeah, kudos, I mean, Jake, kudos I thought Jake to Jake. Did a good job. Now, yeah, Jake is Endwar staff or RIT staff. Jake is Endwar staff. He is one of the employees of like Foam Pro Shop, either not Industries. Yeah, yeah, he's of, he's uh, his I, I talked to him for a little while. Also, nice person, just to have a conversation with. He's he's employed by Drac. Yeah, seems it's a very cool guy, very nice guy, and he did a great job with it. You know, anytime I saw him and interacted with him in game, he was fantastic. So shout out to Jake for doing a good job and a good first time moderating. Yay! Yeah, but yeah, so um, we were we were getting a little concerned. Uh, those of us who were taken a little earlier, because we were watching this horde of people chasing after Drac and shoving cards in his face and f- kind of jostling for position. All the while, zombies are attacking them, but not just normals, not just the the zombies that were turned, because there was also an announcement made by the head moderator that once you were saved, you could deband, you would return as a human for mission two later that night, and you could go play zombie if you wanted to until that time. So a lot of people debanded and put the bands on their heads and that zombie horde snowballed so quickly yeah. uh but and so there were some veteran players who rushed to go play zombie because ooh, i get to play zombie and i get to be a human later i get to troll squad and they came back and were like nope this feels wrong like this is this is too much there's going to be too many human deaths and they stopped playing zombie uh because they recognized what was happening um and there were there were a few people who tripped and fell trying to keep up with uh yeah there were a couple of medical holds yeah and so it was just it was just a lot of a lot of decisions small decisions being made there that i felt added up to a a sense of player frustration and a little bit of player danger that was really unnecessary especially that early on in the game to have those things happening um kind of set the mood i feel like at least for the rest of that day and some foreshadowing uh, and some foreshadowing um but our whole group survived every one of us in our in our extended group as well um survived and made it out of that uh made it out of mission one alive and we uh did we run back oh. to the airbnb at that point or not no i couldn't remember we hung out for we a while out. i want to say yeah we hung out in the the staging room um area until mission two started but there were a lot of turned people like that that mission turned a lot of people a lot of people yeah i don't <laughs> i don't know if the count was actually this high but i heard that the end war staff was looking for a 65 percent kill ratio in mission one uh i i heard lower i heard it was like 15 percent each mission well they can tell us themselves yeah i'm not sure what it was but Mission one from the the limited HBZ invitationals I have been to that was that was a vicious mission one, but it was really only the ending that became vicious. Yeah, and back to the kill ratio. When I say end war staff, there it was one person in specific that I heard said it. Yeah. So so we hung out until mission two, at which point we got another two minute Facebook video that detailed the uh concept behind this mission and there was a it was like a little acted out part in the front which was really hard to hear and get a sense of what they were saying and then a few like black screens of text kind of summing up what you were told um but again not not 
briefing level. It, it didn't explain mechanics. It just kind of gave you a vague sense of this is what you need to do. And we were told that there were six, I believe, six locations that could contain symbols. And we had to find the four symbols that would unlock a gate to safety. Uh, and you had to find them. And once you were sure of the symbols, get to the gate. And... Well, they were they were a code. It was a code, yeah. Yeah, so it was. They were in Arabesh, Orabesh, yeah. sorry, Orabesh, and Star Wars they language. were. They had yeah, Star Wars language, and they had to. They, each of them was a single letter that could be descrambled into a word that you had to use for the exit. So yes, we took a we took a hot minute getting around to the different places because we sort of got into an amoeba or a group at one point, and then we stuck with essentially the the larger group as it was yeah. you know dark, as it darkened the was, human horde and then there was also um a couple of um uh holds uh at least one of them was Medi- due to a hold. well the medical hold but then or, there was, yeah lost yeah lost we had kid. at least one kid yeah that's right we had we had two lost kids that day we had one in between the missions and one during that mission um uh, which I will give another shout out to RIT and Indwar, the staff, because when the lost kid things came up, it was usually like someone's little brother, you know, they couldn't find them. Um, when that happened, the he- uh, the first time I was between missions, I was in the staging area and the head moderator got on a megaphone and told everyone in there, I need you all to go out and look. This is the information, gave us like a description and a name. And said, I need everyone looking for this kid now. And I, you know, I called up our group and said, Hey, I think some of you guys had gone to the car or something. And I called up everyone and said, Hey, this is the details. And that room emptied so fast. And that kid was found in within a minute or two because like everyone got the word out. So they took those issues very seriously, handled them very quickly and effectively. So, you know, Credit where credit is due. Like, they did a good job on all of the medical holds, all of the lost kid type holds. Like, they did a very good job. There there were other issues, you know, why were there so many medical holds called at certain points type of things. But when when it was called, I want to give credit to everyone who was involved with that. Moderators, medics, all that. They handled it very well. Um, but yeah, so we had to go find these symbols and I'm going to give another shout out to our buddy, Andy. He's one of my friends. His Ooh. first invitational was and, in war and apparently and he, knows Arabesh. <laughs> he has been, yeah, he had it saved on his, I believe it was his Pinterest. He had the alphabet saved because he had been learning it because he's a, a huge geek, you know, loves all that stuff. And, um, he instantly recognized it. Pulled it up, took a screenshot of it, so it'd be honest, literally sitting there like circling the letters as we found them, and then blasting that information out to like our larger little like group chat so that we all had copies of it in case he went down. <laughs> and at one point, I think we were all like, "Protect Andy, just protect Andy." Because <laughs> he, yeah, he was the only one who had the answer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he got he got his moment on night one of being like the, the most valuable human that everyone wanted to keep alive. Uh, but that was the other interesting thing about that mission. You mentioned we kind of amoebaed up with a larger human group. We didn't actually go get all four symbols. 
No. The other humans had found them. And by the time we kind of all massed together, we just got them all from these other groups that had gone different directions at first. And then it became a game of get to the, you know, figure out where the final gate was, which happened to be pretty much as far in the opposite direction as you could go on campus. <laughs> right. So we had this trek back. And at that point, we had pretty much gotten, a, I would say, a, a large group of the zombies just trailing behind us. It wasn't quite like the whole horde, but it was a good number of them. So we had like just a running, you know, running little, I wouldn't say a running firefight, but it was definitely a on the respawn, form up, take them out when they charge, keep moving till they respawn. Yeah. Well, and I believe they were that their numbers were bolstered so heavily, you know, yeah. in mission one. Exactly. And, and I believe they were respawning on the fives at that point. Uh, yeah. And by the end of the mission, they were respawning on the twos. So it was getting I... pretty hectic. Was that when I was still there? Yes. Oh, jeez. That, 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 the, the end of the mission in which no one left happy, uh, I, I was told the zombie respawn had been got, had been moved up to the twos. Damn. All right. Well, let's explain what happened for yes. that last part. So we get out to, and this was uh, a quad, a series of dorms that created multiple different quads. And so we fought our way up to this um, a bottleneck, basically. And the Stargate that had the symbols we needed to enter in was inside that courtyard, that that quad. There was a moderator standing in it. And then at the bottleneck, there was another moderator kind of queuing groups of people up. Um, Now, this huge horde of zombies had followed us and basically cornered us in on the edge of this bottleneck. You know, and we weren't allowed to go forward due to game mechanics, and they were behind us. So, Well, bef- before that, though, we came in from a direction they weren't planning. I forgot about that. Yes. we Yeah, we came in through the side of the quad, and they were not expecting humans to come that direction. Well, and didn't that happen because we ended up in a parking lot, and they paused play and moved us out of it? Uh, no, that if we had kept going around that parking lot, we would have just ended up circling and coming in from the north side of the quad instead of the south side where we were supposed to enter from the west side. Ah. <laughs> uh, and that that was actually a, probably a very smart call by, I believe that was the head RIT guy, Liam, uh, who realized we were in a parking lot with moving cars, first of all, so stopped it for safety reasons, but then also got us to an area that we were then one courtyard away from the goal, so that we kind of were heading in the right direction instead of getting chased further out to the edge of campus. Because that was literally the edge of campus beyond that. Right. Um, So yeah, we came in through the wrong entrance to the quad and were getting just pressed by zombie charges up against the walls of this quad, the the buildings surrounding it, and really starting to create a safety hazard. Yeah, It it, Um, it was to the point where like, I am looking around for Sebastian. And all I see is like I'm. It, it literally it was like a mosh pit. Like it was yeah. just it, it was just an undulating mass of bodies. Yeah, like the the human. There were too many people in too tight of a space. It was too dark, and and at that point, my blaster jammed. Your blaster jammed after we got moved out of that corner. 
Ear Blaster jammed when we moved down the other way. Or maybe it was during that. I don't remember. Because they remembered you were like, my blaster jam, cover me, cover me. You were freaking out. It was well, so in hindsight, it wasn't so much just that my blaster was jammed. It was everything else that was going on, you know, trying to the anxiety of making sure that Sebastian didn't get trampled because he's, you know, a foot and a half shorter than anybody else that was in that mob. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. There was a I, lot of stress. I was, yeah, I, I was tense. There was a lot of needless stress, yeah, stress but, that should not have been present. But I mean, they pulled us away from the bottleneck and then we ended up getting pushed back. So they pulled us out of the, well, they sort of pulled us out of the courtyard instead of pausing the gameplay and just having us walk out of the courtyard to the other side where we would, were supposed to enter from. They had us in game live have to push that direction away from our objective only to then stop us and tell us now you have to go back you know however many 10 at a time or something you have to then go back through um into the objective and at that point we were uh so real we talk were having issues. real talk for a minute if they had used this mechanic for mission one i think it would have gone a lot better or if they had used that courtyard for this mission, because they could have queued everybody up outside of the courtyard and then have a group of 10 go in and defend. Yeah, exactly. Because missions one and two were essentially the same mission with a different, um, what, what do you call it? Um, MacGuffin. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly unique. I, I've been quiet during this, during the discussion of this. This is, this still, this mission still stings me. Like during this mission, I actually was so this one affected me deeply. I was having so much, such a negative level of fun. I was thinking, like, do I ever want to play Nerf again? Like seriously, like not over dramatic. Like I was like thinking to myself, calculating with how much, how how rarely I get to play anymore, and and the experience I was having that day and then through to that mission specifically i seriously was like i seriously was thinking like i don't know if i ever want to play nerf again and i'm i'm dead serious and i i actually still i mean I, we haven't talked about this but like i'm not sure still because of that mission in spite of the fun we had the next day i'm still not sure if i'll ever go to end war again i'm i'm so mad about this like i it seriously affected me to the point that i I almost actually took like just drop my not drop my blaster, but I almost just left. I was I was having speak for a number for a number of reasons. I was just having literal negative fun, and it still to this day has permanently damaged how Nerf is played for me. It was it was awful. And thinking back on it, it's gotten a little better because the next day was a was an improvement, and we we made a lot of fun the next day. But that that one is. That day, that mission, and that that really that whole day, but specifically that mission is has permanently permanently damaged my enjoyment of Nerf. I don't know specifically End War, but it, it, it's it's done some permanent damage. Let's say. Well, and um, you know, yeah, I I ended up taking Sebastian and abandoning this mission. You know, everything else uh, that I had already discussed, um, and then we finally get queued up and get into the circle and what the moderator queuing us up told us to do was not what the moderator inside the circle was having people do and it would have gotten us killed 
And so like she told us to pause and get out of the um the circle and Dan and Sebastian and and a few other of us and we're standing around just like what the hell just happened? And I I was just like, you know what? We're done. We're going we're we're done for the night. Uh I not ex- uh, exposing Sebastian to getting trampled again. And we debanded as several zombies who thought they were being coy and cute. Hey, you guys live? You live? Well, not anymore. Which, they were, yeah, just, it was, they were just being it, zombies. I, I was otherwise frustrated, and it tickled me wrong the way they were acting. But they were probably being fine. Yeah, there there were a number of issues. I, I I'll let when hopefully when Alex gets back, he can tell his uh his that de- his death story. But this was this was the end for a couple of us. Um, this was this was the end for me. Um, I was I was on the outside of the group, and I was basically on a point defending, and I had used all my ammo. Actually, like the there was a lot of there there was significant amount of firefights i went through every every dart i had up to my nightingale and i was out of my i was out of every dart in my fdl and i had the nightingale pulled at this point and they were you know they kept sending charges at us and i couldn't i couldn't get back into the group and i i thought about it afterwards if i had actually like at that point i didn't i was just so so upset not caring whatever you want to say um that I wasn't, I, I didn't think about it straight. What I should have done is I should have gone, I should have basically like yelled at the people behind me, let me back to start reloading so I could get my primary back up to speed. Um, but what ended up happening is, is I was out on the point and I was shooting at zombies and I was shooting at the people who were coming into the left and I tagged everybody who was coming from the left and I pivoted over to the right and I started addressing the people on the right and then a, a zombie tagged me and I was like, no, I already got you, dude. He's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I was like, no, I got, I got you in the back. Like right as you were coming up, I got you in the back. He had a shield, and and he was just like full adrenaline charge. Like, and he just started arguing with me, and I was like, whatever. I was so, I was so mad, so upset. I just said, fuck it. I didn't want to be here anyways anymore. I'm out. So, that was my, that was my out. If I also would have, it probably, if I had been in a fun mood, I would have challenged him to like the, uh, the one dart, you know, shoot off because I was very certain of my position, and he was very certain of his position. So. You know, it is what it is. It's, it was done, and I became a zombie for the rest of the night. Alex also uh, has a story for this time. So, Alex, you wanna you wanna share your death story? Yeah. Oh man. So when we were holed up at the entrance uh, to that uh, channel, that, that that rush to get to the gate, uh, I was towards the back of the group with uh, John, uh, got another guy from Detroit, and a few other people, and. Uh, we were surrounded by zombies kind of on the periphery of this courtyard. And there was one guy just kind of like milling around right by us. And John and I both see him. Re- he's, he reach up to his head and like adjust his headband. Now he had been out. He had been tagged out. He never debanded, which was an issue for that whole first day. Uh, an, an issue which I brought up to the head mod and he made an announcement to the zombies. And this guy had, did not deband. Uh, we see him reach up, adjust the band with his back to us, and he's about five feet from us. So typical end war rules, most HVZ rules, he can't respawn. You have to be, you know, move thirty feet away from the humans. What does he do? He turns around and tags oh, probably like eight people. Just walks into the group, tagging people. 
because you know no yeah, this was this was a huge turning this this night was a was just yeah. a bloodbath now a- i at that point was so fed up with what was going on right at the end of that mission um also well i've given a lot of props to the mod team I, we were we were talked down to by the head moderator with with needlessly harsh critiquing condescending language multiple times especially that mission and uh i was very frustrated by that by the safety issues so when this happened i didn't even contest it i just i just kind of said fuck this and john and i just left the group and we walked over to the courtyard uh we did not drop our gear to play zombie (laughs) uh but we were like fine we're done whatever and uh I noticed after a minute of watching what was going on that John had walked over to the head moderator who was back there and was chatting with him. So I went over and joined the conversation and we brought up how we died and we were given some very inaccurate, confusing walk around on the 30 foot respawn rule. Basically an excuse as to why it wouldn't work, which was bogus. And, uh, I think if we had pressed the issue, he would have let us be humans. You can but... you can describe the conversation. Don't be okay. Vague. All right, yeah, all right. Don't be don't be vague. Yeah, it's it's factual. It's not. I'm not. I'm going to try and stay objective about things. Um, he, I I said, isn't there a thirty foot respawn rule? And his response was yes. But while there's a while that's a rule, there is. I'm going to try my best to quote this. There is not a rule that states who has to maintain that 30 feet, humans or zombies. So I can't watch all the zombies at all times. So if you're seeing someone not following that rule, as a human, it's up to you to move away or to defend yourself. Which sent me like on a spiral of like, what are you saying? But you weren't... You weren't the person who got in a fist fight, though. <laughs> I did not get in a fist fight. No, uh, that was somebody else at this moment. That was yeah. That was a another issue. Um, but no. So I looked up the rules later just to check because I, I kind of am of the opinion that if you're a head moderator for a game, you really should have your rule book memorized. Like like you should know your rules at heart. There are two places in the End War rules where it is very clearly stated zombies must move 30 feet away from humans and zombies must be 30 feet away to respawn. So the answer was completely bull. And I, yeah, so I was so fed up at that point. I didn't argue the tag and I, and I, and I'm, I'm kind of that person anyways that I don't mind playing zombie. So I was like, Look, I I get it. People are unhappy. I will I will I will take the tag. But here, will you let me be a tank for tomorrow? <laughs> so I leveraged my clear frustration into getting a special zombie status for the next day well for played. both myself and John. And he told me the head mod said, "Yes, if you find me tomorrow morning, I will hand you the vest to play tank." Well played. <laughs> now, so. Uh, I love playing tank. <laughs> um, so, I, that was a highlight. One of our friends from Ohio HVZ scene um, had a similar altercation with the head moderator after mission one. And not, not the fist fight, though. No, no, no. Not this this was altercation implies. <laughs> so 
uh, similar debate over um, mechanics uh, to how you handled your situation. And the head moderator told him if he wanted an easy game to go read a book. Yeah. What an asshole. So yeah, and that that's the overlying, you know, the the recurring mentality that we saw from this uh, and that the entire weekend. And, and I, so they, they later put out a feedback form and they had a section specifically for that moderator for feedback to go to them. And someone else put it, I saw on Discord, put it so perfectly. Whatever happened and went wrong, you didn't have to be an ass about it. <laughs> And that per- was so perfect because that's exactly the case. If he, like, like, even the rules mistakes, I could have forgiven had the language we had been talked to with been uplifting or positive or even just neutral. But every interaction was this guy on the defensive and talking down to players. And it made a lot of people upset. Yeah, and it. In our chat right now, one of our moderators is is talking, and it, it, he's exactly right. It, the it, the head moderator was a violation of Rule Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, the besides besides some of the uh, well that that this fight I keep referring to, just because it's hilarious that something like that what, happened. What exactly happened there? I don't it, know. I I so a zombie charged in when we were at that very first corner before we were moved out of the objective courtyard charged in and basically did kind of a rough tag uh, and ended up kind of like falling at a guy from what I'm remembering seeing and hearing. And the guy basically like turned around and shoved him off. And then the zombie got up in his face and they started kind of just doing the, the shoving and pushing. I don't think it was straight up like at any point, true closed fist trying to deck another person, but it was the aggressive pushing and kind of slapping at each other. Yeah, no fisticuffs. Um, I, not that I believe, but it was, it was right on the border of it. Uh, yeah, probably, it's probably shouldn't be bringing the, the drama aspect, but I did bring it up like three times. So it was and, just hilarious. Um, where and I was going. Oh, sorry. I made sad. That's the thing too. Unsafe zombie play could have not been eliminated, but could have been, mitigated by a safety briefing it should have happened yeah yeah the only other rules i was just gonna i was trying to segue that into the only honestly the the relatively speaking the rule zero violations were very few and far between the only other one that i saw was a human who kicked a horde egg out into the parking lot this this girl just went up to the horde egg and just punted it out into the parking lot with cars driving around and everything and then, like you know, kneeled down and then got the tag to come back up from their from their human partner. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you <laughs> jerk!" Yeah. Like, so somebody's got to go chase that out into traffic to like go pick it up intentionally. I was like, "Come on!" That, there's part of me that finds that funny. It, I mean, it, it was a little funny, but oh, it's, it's like funny, but it's a rule zero <laughs> violation. Yeah, like, the ah. in into the parking lot in traffic is the rule zero part. If it had been into an empty field or into another part of play that was just away from zombies. That'd be hilarious. But but point being, like that's the worst that we saw. So it really wasn't that bad. It was just mission two was so just awful, detrimental to everything that was happening. That you know, this was a different day when people kicked the ball. But it was yeah, it really wasn't that bad in terms of people being uh, jerks or whatever. I mean, it, it was rel- the players were relatively pretty. I mean, were pretty good overall. Yeah, 
So that concluded the mission. Everybody else made it out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our, you know, close friends were also turned during that time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, some, yeah. Some some of our team extracted. Some uh, some did not, and some pressed the power button and went to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of us pressed the power up button. Some of us went back to the Airbnb and drank a lot. <laughs> stayed up way too late. Yeah. What do you mean? It's not good to stay up till three a.m. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm glad that you're built in such a way that you can still get up at like what six a.m. or something after you know three hours of sleep for the entire I, next day. That you know that's something I had not actually considered. The amount I drank of meads and beers and such, and then I got about two and a half, maybe three hours of sleep, and then I played tank the entirety of the next day. <laughs> oh, man, your voice was raw hamburger by the end of the oh my voice was just a beautiful sound of bees (laughs) bees being run over by a semi (laughs) yeah we showed up for mission three the next day now that we're halfway through this three-hour podcast um and what was the what was mission three's uh premise it was build uh it was it was go around and collect more stamp or more symbols this time it was stamps yeah, there was a. It, it was very sorry, RIT mods. You're very nice people, but your missions were very samey. There was yeah. a lot of find object, similar object, use it for purpose. So yeah, so this time instead of just like finding something, it, there were actual mini missions. So like we went out and played mini games. Like oh yeah, that one part of them. Was one of them was move a water balloon with a PVC pipe uh, chopsticks, basically. One was um, trying to remember. One was Simon says. One was build a structure out of yep. PVC pipes. Yep, I think those are the only three we actually completed ourselves. We we ended up with four or five stamps, but a couple of those were just sweat transfers. <laughs> the humans fight back. Yeah, this is when things started getting like very out of out of the humans' favor. Um, if there was any balancing to be done, I'm not aware of it at this point. If there were any any like mission changes based on you know human versus zombie count, um, uh, from what I remember, there were no changes like that. It was more of a moving objectives to more open spaces to avoid what had happened the night before. It was mostly yeah. sa- safety changes, which was honestly, if there was one thing you needed to change, they they identified it and did it. Like that was that was the one that had to change. Yeah, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of tanking going on from y'all. I was not a tank. Um, eventually, I I was I was hanging out with you guys. It was fun for you to be a tank, but I wasn't really getting any action that way. So I decided to break off on my own and see what I could do. Nice. Uh, this this was when I had a this was a really this was a very fun end of this mission for me because I ended up getting a number of tags. Um, the uh, the first I, I basically ended up going out to the field. Where the final, if you if you participated, the final extraction was in a in a big open field, and then um, this was also the field where in this mission you had to move water balloons with uh, PVC pipes out in a, an open field area. So I went out there and I, I was talking to the mods who were working that, which was um, Chris and Jake and and wonderful people. We just chatted for a while. There was nobody there when I was there for for quite a while until we eventually saw some people sort of creeping over the horizon, and uh, and I decided to go hide. I found a I found a corner and I waited there for like ten minutes or something stupid. 
until the humans were done with their their tasks. Um, and, a, and a group of them started uh, coming along the side. And there were no zombies anywhere, none around anywhere that area. So they, they weren't really concerned about any of this. Um, and the the first, uh, it was like a father and son group um, came walking up, you know, maybe 10 feet away from me. And I was hiding behind this brick wall and they didn't even look back there. I mean, why would they? I, you could see that nobody had been, had walked back there because I had been sitting there for 10 freaking minutes. And I was, I was like using my phone to like look out around the corner and like see when, you know, what they were doing down there until finally I could hear people approaching. And so I just lunged out and, and ran at these two dudes. Um, and, and I, I landed the tag. So that was awesome. They, they basically turned and addressed me. And the the uh, one of them, the son, I think it was the son. One of them shot. They got a shot off, and it like crossed, uh, basically crossed my chest and like went under my armpit. So I got a little bit, you know, a little bit lucky there that they didn't have time to draw fully on me, and I got two tags, and that was awesome. I got I got tagged out by the next people who were walking up that way. So I didn't. That one didn't last long. So that was a cool like surprise attack, and that was fun because like. No, no support zombies or anything. Just like the element of surprise and humans being complacent uh, made that one work, which was fun. So after that, I walked down to the field and there was another group of humans, like a fairly large group down there. And I started chatting to them, um, just talking, you know, being being friendly towards them until my uh, until my spawn timer crossed the uh, crossed the uh, the spawn threshold, and I just you know drifted out of the conversation and I walked out into the soccer field and uh waited there put my put my bandana and hat back on <laughs> and i just like swiftly walked up and uh and said sorry about this fellas and put my hands on their shoulders and they're like what that's how and i then, that's how i died at my first invitational after and were uh 17 the pacifist zombie yeah. from new Paltz was just standing there chatting with me and in one of the moderators realized yeah. that the spawn timer was up Walked away, respawned, and killed me. And then Cody was on his own to put to activate the pressure plates for Rick and Morty. Yeah, that was funny. And then the rest of them, they didn't realize what was happening. And I, I don't know why. I guess I was still like, I was just feeling, I don't know, I was feeling off or weird or whatever. And I was just like, y'all gonna shoot me? And then they finally just shot me because I didn't lunge at anybody else. Um, I kind of felt bad about the bloodbath that had been happening. So I, I don't know. Maybe I was just a little. What's the word? pacifist so so it was super it was super fun they were nice people so where was adam during all of this i don't even know where we were at this point in time so mission i jumped in mission three yes first mission of saturday oh geez you were with me right because we were running the uh the meowsers that was so we, we were down in the backfield to begin with where final stand ended oh yeah we, yeah and we yeah, spent we spent stand. probably half of the mission there yes and, yep. and then we moved up over the hill and into one of the courtyards and that's where the simon says one was i believe yeah we were we were kind of sticking with um Naptown. uh not so much Naptown, but we were with um uh at Arin and uh purdue yes we were yeah we were with purdue I just I thought I remember um, Naptown's wife because she's so brightly colored, uh, but maybe that was a different mission because there were some things said in the square that were not very tasteful. But um, no, yeah, I mean we were 
That was a very chill mission. There was not. It was a pretty softball mission. You can say these things for people. Tim can always edit it out. I can always beep it too if you want me to. Yeah. No, that's no, that's fine. I don't know what was said. I wasn't there. <laughs> I figure. I I don't know who the one guy was, but he had the white Hades, and he was being loud and commanding, and he basically told everybody to like, if you're not Naptown or another club or another club, basically go away. Oh, that uh, was this um, mission. That was this mission. Yeah. And like there was a whole bunch of people and they're like looking at each other and then they left and then everybody just still followed them anyways. So I don't know. I saw a fun, a fun video of them getting taken down one by one. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. In some cases, multiple times. They apparently had antidotes. <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, I don't know how to jump in here, but. No, that's fine. Yeah, that 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 should have been mission one, I yeah, think. I agree. But uh I had heard, like I said, that somebody wanted a very high kill count for mission one. And and so the supposedly the story was that if you collected so many of the stamps, then you were safe. So there was a get safe mechanic again. Um that's what the third mission that they had a good yeah, safe mission so, so, in a row. And, and there was conflicting information and, and this may have been intentional. Um, and, and I don't fault them if it was intentional for this, but, uh, there was a rumor going around that if you got four stamps, you were safe. And then somebody else was saying, no, you got to get all six. Uh, we, we never made it. Cause if you made it to the end of the time for mission three, then you were still alive too. Um, which is why we spent probably half of the mission down uh, at the the water balloon mission because there wasn't a whole lot of anything going on down there. So, um, and then that kind of takes us to mission four, right? Because there wasn't really any other type of mechanic. It was just go complete these mini missions. Here's a softball. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so mission four was the drones. Well, I would like to take a second to talk about what I did in Mission 3. Oh, absolutely. Because Eric talked about his awesome kill, and Mission 3 was my highlight of the day, because the tanks had started off all together, just because the humans were all together, and we were following the main group. And then the moderators noted, hey, all the tanks are together, so they made a good call of, Let's split the tanks up, bring them to different areas of campus so that they encounter different groups of humans. And from that point on, I started essentially playing like zone. Like I took a few courtyards, like the main quads were like my stomping grounds. And I would, you know, if I was following humans and they got, they led me beyond a certain point, I would just turn around and go back to the main courtyard and wait for another human group to come. Uh, just so there was always a threat there. And so on one of these, I had been led out. And then I was coming back and with some zombies, and we find a human group had cornered themselves in, they call it Kodak Quad, which is where the, wow, that's loud thunder. I don't know if you guys heard that. Um, they had cornered themselves in Kodak Quad, which is where our initial introductory opening ceremonies had taken place. And they were they were literally one way in, one way out, or you know, bushwhack through greenery and bushes and trees. The zombies caught right away that there were humans there. And I was kind of just telling all my zombies run ahead and cut them off so they can't escape. And so the zombies start filtering through the trees 
and I go up under this kind of ledge of a building that is graveled in with windows next to it. And it's a straight shot at the humans. So they see me in my tank vest and I just let out the loudest tank yell I could. The loudest uh, graveliest. Oh, just shredded my vocal cords, you know, and, and I, and I put so much volume into that. I got the heads whipping around. It was so worth it. Uh, and I start walking up to them, you know, not really that fast because I wanted to help let my zombies set up an ambush. And the idea was me and I, I, a few zombies kind of were like zombie training behind me. Uh, we're going to flush out these humans down this kill corridor that the other zombies were setting out. And I see Buff Daddy Nerf, Brian, standing there, debanded, not playing, but just watching right by the humans. And I looked at him and I, and I took a moment and said, Buff, should I do this? And he just goes, oh, absolutely. And I started, kept walking, and then one of the humans shot me, like popped off a long shot, hit me. So I aggroed at that point, like actually aggroed. And so I start walking towards them. And there is a wonderful video by uh, Boomstick Neil. He was in that group. He was watching that group too. And uh, he just sees the humans and you hear one of them go, the tank's moving. We've got to make a play now. And they all push down the side corridors. I'm following right behind them. And zombies are jumping out of bushes and diving and noodles are slapping out. And the humans are just getting picked off one by one. And just, you know, uh, I've talked to a few of their humans afterwards. And they said that was the one of the most intense moments of that end war was trying to get out of there. And it, they got so bottled up and so discombobulated that I actually tagged the last two uh, humans in their line as a tank because they just, they couldn't go anywhere and they just were so confused and trying to watch for zombies. They forgot the tank was right behind them. So that was my two active kills. And it was just a great in moment. I, I had, I, I, I can talk about that one. So, you know, I'll, I'll always talk about that moment. So despite the frustrations of a lot of the rest of the event, I figured that if I can come out with a story that makes me smile like this, it was worth it. Yeah, we definitely had a lot more fun uh, missions three and four. Yeah. So yeah, that was my tank kill corridor. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Moving on to mission four then? Mission four. My voice was gone. My feet were tired and blistered. <laughs> so in, in the interim between missions three and four, uh, we retired to the uh, the shady, grassy area next to the parking lot where uh, Nerf Mom, my wonderful wife, met us with subs and Gatorades and uh, cookies and chips, and we had a nice little picnic rather than God trying to her. rather than trying to make it out to a restaurant and frantically get back. Um, so that was awesome. And then yeah, so we wonderful break. <laughs> yeah. So then we head back for mission four, which mission four was set up so we had to find drones, which kind of acted like tanks with a noodle and shield. Yeah, they would aggro and follow yeah. humans. So we had to kite them around campus to find, of all things, a huge bundle of TNT, which I I didn't get that reference. Uh, it was just supposed to be explosives. You were taking the, yeah, you were turning it, it, them into bombs. There's a bunch of red pool noodles bundled right, up. Right, but why was it why was it explosive? Why wasn't it a computer chip or 
a terminal or I thought you were supposed to detonate them at certain points to destroy something was the story. You were, but the story never advanced. So yeah. that's kind of part of what we're about to say. But yeah, the intent of them never became clear because we never got there. Well, no, because they, they did specifically say the TNT would reprogram the drones. I took that uh, to I, mean that you would reprogram them and that then they would carry well, the TNT. At, at at the time, now that I'm hearing this said back again, I think it's more of a requisite for getting them reprogrammed. It's like you need to find the TNT and then bring them to the square and then they can be reprogrammed. Like you can't go and find the TNT separately or and, something. And that may have been because part of the confusion during this mission mechanic wise was that the TNT was in the square. Yeah, it, <laughs> yes. was in, it was an infinity yeah. quad the whole time. Yes, it was right there. And th there was an issue. There was a lot of zombies that were just loitering around in Infinity Quad, because I think that's where the Game Face water booth and stuff was. too. Yeah. yeah. So well, it like it, it became so from the zombie side, it became two parts. It became a there's water. We're going to stay there. And oh, hey, the object one of the objectives is here. So it makes sense for people to hang around. But the zombies were getting very tired and and smart in their play because they realized and we don't want to chase humans around this campus all day so we started playing essentially zone defense the zombies would find the different moderators who were the drones and would basically guard them uh and it became a challenge for the humans and at this point the humans a lot of the human groups were getting very skittish because of the attrition and the losses they faced uh and even the humans that very easily could have come in and stunned us all and taken the drone would see two headbands and turn tail and just head another direction. Uh, it be, the humans really went into survival mode. Uh, and part of that was that the zombies were playing smart. Yeah, and now Pinnell was a tank at this point now too, right? Pinnell was at least a tank in Mission 1. I don't remember if he was still tanking in Mission 2. I, or Sorry, Mission 3. I don't know if he was still in Mission 4, but I think he was. I'm, pretty, think... I'm pretty sure he was because yeah, near, we, the, near the end... We kited him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He was. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's right. Because we kited him over uh, kind of by that waterfall. That What was that area called? Galaxy? Uh, Universal? Uh, it was where that little waterfall statue was. We yes. kind of we kind of kited him over that area, and then the horde kind of chased the humans around the side of that building and down into the front of um uh the field house. Um, Gordon. Gordon. I kept wanting to say Goddard. Uh, in front of Gordon Fieldhouse. Um, which just past Gordon Fieldhouse is where I finally got tagged. Um, and and tagged out. Which Sebastian was tagged out earlier in this mission. Or in mission three. Was it mission? Yeah, it was mission three. So, mm -hmm. yeah, because he... Because you, you debanded in part of mission three because he had been tagged. Right. And then at, right. lunch, we, at lunch, I believe Dan was like, hey, just have him stick with me and you can right. go back to being right. human. I was trying to remember why I didn't remember the end of mission three. But it was... Yeah, yeah because there was a rush over by... Again, I think it was right by that that waterfall statue where he kind of got separated and tagged. Um, this was after he he tripped going up a curb 
<laughs> and snapped his griffin in half. Oh, yeah. Which is repaired for Z13 on Saturday. Nice. nice. Temporary patch. I didn't have enough of the green to reprint the stock, so I had to use mm. the gray ones that I had done for my Voltron set. Um. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, so I, I died here in mission four, um, there was a, uh, ambitious zombie that came up behind, um, and thought he got four tags, brain tagged him out. And I thought brain had said he had gotten him out before the guy tagged me, but apparently it was after the guy tagged me. Cause, uh, was it Liam or John? One of them was walking behind us and, and saw the tag. So, um, I was able to rejoin my son on the winning side at this point brain says blame john (laughs) (laughs) yeah mission three and four from what i heard mission three went really well for everyone involved everyone liked it mission four the zombies had a good time some of the human groups uh were getting so frustrated that they felt like they couldn't get to the objectives uh that they had gone into survival mode and were just holing up in different parts of campus trying to survive (laughs) I mean, the human groups were getting completely overrun. Every time every time that, that we saw a human group, they ran away for the most part, except for the one yeah. the one situation where a human group came in, started moving a drone, accidentally shot the drone. Yep, I was there for that. <laughs> tur- turned the drone so the drone turned because they shot the drone and they but it the drone was surprisingly close to to its destination and they just ran off and they left and the drone reset and the drone reset not that it would have mattered because even if they had successfully gotten that drone to the place it needed to be the game would have just adjusted itself yeah so towards the end of that mission they actually made a call and they brought all the drones back to infinity quad gave them the tnt and essentially, the humans just needed to get there and get the drones out. Well, and again, this goes back to mechanics had not been properly described. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a lot of confusion about what to do there. Um, a human group did push into Infinity Quad and get two of the drones to follow them, uh, and made it a decent way away before uh, they just got too scared of the of the zombie numbers and left the drones and the drones de-aggroed and went back to the infinity quad. And I think that was the last time we saw any humans. Uh, we ended up just sitting on benches and cooling off and drinking the water provided by game face for probably the last 20 minutes of the mission at least. And, you know, given what we saw and heard, I I think if those couple of mechanical, uh, clarifications had happened, this would have been a fantastic mission. You know, if it, if it hadn't been for the miscommunication on the dynamite and the overwhelming zombie numbers from previous mission flubs, mm-hmm. um, I think this would have been a mission that people would talk about for years. Kind of like we talk about, you know, Drill Princess or, uh, you know, the Tarp Alley uh, uh, Fear Squad, Fearless uh, from N-War 17 over in uh, the corridors behind the, the businesses. You know, those are missions we talk about uh, years later. I think this may have been that mission if there had just been a couple of um, different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Circumstances. If if a a couple of circumstances have been different, this would have been the amazing mission. Mm -hmm. And like, like there was a time before they, you know, reset the drones to, to get the dynamite 
that a human group walked up to the drones we were at, took us out. I was a tank, so they they kited me, you know, just very effectively. It was I had a ten second count, so I was not nearly as threatening as I'm used to being. And uh, they got the, that was the one where they accidentally shot the drone. But to be fair, like to be realistic, if they had not gotten skittish and run away, they would have gotten the drone to the quad. They they, they really could have done it. Uh, they were holding off the zombies fine, but the mindset of a lot of the humans at that point in the game had completely turned. And that's a problem when you have such a high kill count mission early on is you're not going to get as many humans willing to take risks. They're going to try and play survival. Uh, and it, it, that's what happened. All right. So does this take us to final stand? Um, yeah. Well, why okay. don't we say how we died? Oh, yeah, you need to tell us your death stories. Now, Tim told us his. How did you die, Adam? Uh, I died right before Tim. I think I was the person that uh, the A-team guy got right before, um, which was funny because in Mission 3, I think it was Mission 3, he almost got me. And I will applaud him because like, he was a fast and very agile zombie. Um and then there was a bunch of confusion because everybody was trying to get up the ramp in like mission three. And then he did this like flying slide and like almost got me. But thankfully, I had my trusty, dusty Meowser and I managed <laughs> to unload probably the better half of a magazine and panic in him. But I told him like that was close, you know. But he ended up getting me in mission four because we were all like trotting in front of the. Um, I guess it was like the convention center hall thing. And then we were all kind of like starting to hot foot it, um, headed back toward, um, I guess, I guess we were kind of headed back in the direction of infinity quad or Kodak quad. Um, but yeah, like I was just walking along and then I just felt a tap on my shoulder. And then I saw the same a team guy, like go through and tap a bunch of people's shoulders, but then, People shot him pretty quickly, and it was unclear. Um, it was unclear who he had tagged or did not tag. Um, but I trusted. Uh, I believe it was it's Avatar John. So John was there, right? I think his name is John. Yeah. Yes, John and Liam. Yep. Um, and he said, you know, you were you were definitely got. And I'm like, okay, you know, because I I expected to die in mission four because i wanted to play as a zombie at some point uh although my experience as a zombie was not that fulfilling because of how mission five played out um i did get a tag though and that that was my end war moment but nice um yeah that's how i died gentle tap from a nice canadian <laughs> did I, he apologize his shirt apologized <laughs> it felt like it felt like it was a polite tap yeah it was very polite was very loving and polite um you know when i debanded for that time during mission three and just getting to follow sebastian around and and watch him play was that was my end war moment brain would like to add that he stepped onto your corpse pressed x searched your inventory and oh, right Meowser. that's right the meowsers were so popular <laughs> all two of them all right so that takes us that takes us to mission five final stand um for final stand, we were brought back to Kodak Quad for the zombies, and I believe the humans were assembling next door in Infinity Quad. 
and the setup was that the despite mission four not going anywhere for the humans they gave them the drones because mission five would not work without them and uh the humans had to escort these attack drones to find the big bad the salesman who was no longer being played by drac uh, but Dra- that was Drax's character in Mission 1, was the salesman. Um, they had to find the salesman, and the drones had to eliminate him. At which point, a extraction gate would open up somewhere on campus, and the humans had to get to that gate, which was a series of construction barrels they had to run through. And any human that made it through the open construction barrels was safe and survived in war. Now, I, I, I think it's important to point this out so almost all hvz that we play is designed for it to be unwinnable for the humans we've also talked about the fact that each end war kind of lends the nuances of that club to end war so that's why in athens you were in play 24 7 um at rit the games are designed so humans can win it's it's like a, a badge of honor if you it's known as extracting. And yeah, it's not so much that the humans can win, it's that some humans can survive. Yes. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. So yeah. um so this extraction that Alex is describing was actually possible. But the numbers that the zombies had, it was not likely. Uh and we'll talk about what happened with that in a second. <laughs> um so the zombies were split into two groups. Uh, one group was sent with the salesmen to a location out to one of the fields near uh, near the parking lot we were using. And the other group was basically set up as a barrier for the humans. Uh, our job was to try and prevent the humans from following the other zombie horde getting the salesmen. Uh, so we kind of arrayed ourselves out around this quad in different groups to try and cut off the exits and the were you guys with that group or did you guys go with the other group so we were not with the initial group that got split off but then you guys came back at one point right yeah so initially i was with the group that stayed in the quads um and when the when the when the mission was on the humans the, the, the drones had told the humans that they would go at a fast walk. So the human horde matched that. And it was a column, a, a very well done human column of foam. And it just punched a hole right through our half of the horde. Uh, and they went up a ramp and went straight out. And we followed them. <laughs> that was an impressive, uh, impressive moment to see. Uh, now, as a little bit of foreshadowing, there was a small contingent of, I believe, about five humans who did not go that direction. They ran out the backside of the quad, away from all the action, uh, and went to start searching some locations. They were locals and went to start searching for some locations around campus that they thought might house the extraction point. Yeah, they played the numbers game. They decided to uh, not help the rest of the humans and just trust that the humans would get the job done and save their own skins if they did. <laughs> right. So the extraction point we talked about didn't open until one of the drones defeated the salesman. Yep. So they went off banking on the fact that the other humans would be able to achieve that objective. 
Yeah. So the mission starts. The humans rush through the first half of the horde. We follow them, harass them the whole way out to this field, uh, get to the field. And at this point, from my vantage point, and I had been kind of assaulting the rear guard of the humans and funneling them uh, up against buildings and stuff with my group. uh, And I have like two or three other tanks bunched up with me. So we were like the true like hammer coming behind the humans. Uh, we see a hum- a bunch of humans run out into the road <laughs> that leads into this part of campus, at which point the moderators call a halt because it's a road. There are cars coming into campus and pull everyone back into the field. And I feel like this is the moment when Mission 5 kind of fell apart. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and like it was... Hold. Well, yeah, and it was clearly visible to many veterans you know one of which made no qualms about calling the head moderator out in front of everybody yeah (laughs) about the lack of mechanics um briefing although there was the final stand did actually have a mechanics briefing um it was the only time they did and they they did it separately for humans and and zombies you know where alex talked about you know they started in the adjacent quads there was a mechanics briefing of sorts. Yeah. It, it didn't cover the specific thing that the head moderator got called out for uh, incorrectly interpreting, but still. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they called that hold, bring everyone back over into the field. And at that point, my, uh, me and a bunch of zombies get pulled away separately. And Liam, RIT... Uh, head of head of their RITHUZ club, and he takes us over a ways away uh, into another area of campus and tells us we're going to watch for the humans to come from one of these three directions and go get them if we see them type of thing. And I was with you at this point, I believe. Okay, yeah, and then we don't see what's happening, and then a, a few minutes go by, and then he takes off at a sprint back towards the field and yelling for us to follow and we go and then he leads us a strange way around the building and at at that point several of us just got fed up with the walking and just sat down and we're like we'll meet up later oh no i wasn't with you at this point then (laughs) okay then yeah at this point no so we got led back around the building uh back to the main field at which point they set up a charge and there was another hold (laughs) and then they set up a charge we're too far away to take part in the charge. So it's kind of like, why are we back here again? And then they march us back the other way. (laughs) And essentially at this point, from my vantage point, I have no idea what's going on. So wrap it back to the intro. Indoor 2022. I'm so fucking confused. Uh, And we get marched all the way to where the extraction point is at where we are told the game is over. So very anticlimactic. Uh, yeah game's over okay everyone hope you had fun fuck off that was pretty much it there was no traditional zombie prayer Uh. which to rit's credit that's not something rit does they do they they were like what's a zombie prayer uh so we're just i think people who are used to playing uh ohio hvz and the past end wars were kind of wanting and expecting that a little bit at least uh, but yeah, it was just kind of like a thanks for coming out here. Let's take a photo and go get your challenge coins back in Infinity Quad. Make sure <laughs> the, you check uh, out. 
Now, what had happened, and uh, this has been talked about in our RIT mod interview, was the humans got wiped out, but right before they did, uh, the the drones, the moderators playing the drones, did kill the salesman. That opened the gate, the extraction gate, and the little squad of humans that played the numbers was waiting in the bushes and sprinted through the gate with no zombies in sight and survived. Supposedly there is a picture somewhere of the the small squad of humans and like you could you're looking at bushes and you just see their eyes. You see like eyes in the faintness of like blue shirts or something. Like one of the RIT mods took that. Yeah. I need to get a copy of that photo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, and so it kind of ended on this anticlimactic sour note. Um, a lot of people felt that the final address by the head moderator continued the condescending tones and left a bad taste in people's yeah, mouth. Because wasn't there something about anything you know, left yeah, in, in the in the gear room five minutes after mission ends will be thrown out or something? Yeah, there was some statement. I think that was earlier, but before the mission started or something. He he also offered me. I was saying basically where do i put this stuff and i picked up like socks and darts and things like that he's like oh in the trash can it's like <laughs> thanks yeah so a you didn't help me with my actual question and b you continued being useless yeah so so we we were all frustrated we walked back to infinity quad because god damn it we're going to get these challenge coins <laughs> um, it is a nice challenge coin it is a very nice coin like they did a great job with that design um after I got mine, uh, the head moderator was standing there, and I actually went over to him and talked to him, because I had talked to him the night before, so I knew he recognized me, and uh, I just straight up told him that he needed to basically fix how he talks to people, and that it was detracting from the game, and I tried to be uplifting, because I'm a former teacher, and that's how I am, even though I really was mad, and I told him I was mad at him, uh, and he listened, and he thanked me. You know, I could tell he was on edge about it, but I felt like it was the most productive talk it could have gone. I gave him a fist bump and a bro hug, wished them well on their travels, thanked them for putting on end war, all that. Uh, just try to end it on a high note because like me being pissed off at him is not going to change anything. Me trying to be supportive might. And then I turn around and I see Detroit dart talking friends, <laughs> like everyone just watching this encounter, Not, waiting to see what happened. Well, yeah, waiting because we were worried that like how he might respond. Yeah, we, tempers we knew, were high. <laughs> we we knew you'd keep your cool. We weren't sure about the other party. Yeah, and and he did, he did, and from what I've heard from other people on the End War staff, uh, he. They specifically said, no, he listened to what you said. It did actually, like, he, he did take in what you were saying. So I hope for his sake they do. Because if you listen to the RIT interview we did, they also say he is the hardest worker on the Endor staff that they had. Like, he was at every meeting. He put a lot of time and effort into trying to make Endor mm -hmm. happen and happen well. So just, he should not have been public-facing. And they they now recognize that that was that was one of the big announcements was he will no longer have uh, a role that is on the, the the public side of Endor, and I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. 
So that was that was that was kind of the wrap up for my end. But did you guys have anything? Any thoughts on the end of Mission Five and, and the, the post credits, as you will? I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Um, Sebastian, it's didn't. a huge letdown. Yeah, it was disappointing. Um, Sebastian did, it, did manage to grab a spare and uh, war coin. He and he gave it to Milo, which was really cool. Milo really appreciated that. Nice. I think that was the one Andy got. Andy grabbed a spare. Yes, that's and, right. Yes. Yeah. So huge shout out to my buddy Andy for doing so. Yeah. He's just such a nice guy. Yeah. Milo really, really appreciated getting that coin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing we saw. It's just lack of communication, frustration on the players, and a lot of wasted potential. Because when you when we didn't describe what we now know happened in Mission Five, like if if we were a drone up in the sky watching it. It wasn't the worst I like play how it happened. Like there were some awkward pauses, and there was a group that got led around for no reason. But the actual like zombies went here. This happened. This happened. This happened. A human group played the cards. And they got through the gate. That's kind of dynamic. But in the moment, it was it very much was not. And I think a lot of that was we were never told what happened. We had to find that out from the RIT Mods a week later. <laughs> I think a lot of people would have left a little happier had they been told in the moment what happened. But it sounds like the RIT mods didn't even know for a few days what happened. They had to figure it out because yeah. there was just there was a breakdown of communication. So, but yeah, overall thoughts. I it was my first Envor. Uh There were definitely some huge frustration moments and, and things that made, soured it to me, but it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. So, Eric, this is your third Endor? Yeah, that's right. And this is my fourth. I've I've been to all four. The only major one I didn't did not go to was NVZ, and that's because it was uh actually before I was in the hobby. Um easily the lowest um in the ranking of my Endwars. And I, I think Eric, you probably would say the same. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a progressive step downwards. I mean, but I would say the last two that we experienced were both very they were both very fun in in spite of the, you know, small issues here and there. This one I'm I'm on the fence if I I, I overall I had fun because of the people and that's what makes End War great is the people that are there. But also I could have had fun with the people that were at some other event. What made End War special? I'm I'm not sure. If there's anything about this one that makes it special, it's certainly my least favorite HVZ that I've ever been to. I mean, hands down, it's the worst one I've ever been to. So here is what I would pose made it worth coming to over another event, FoamCon. Yes, I will yep. agree with you there. FoamCon, what, FoamCon was very good this year. Yep, so shout out to Spam uh, because for you know four years running, yeah, you have Spam put on it. an amazing convention. Uh, for our hobby um so next morning we all pretty much bugged out and started to go home and then we started to get reports about the huge colossal debacle that was the foam pro tour or the dart zone pro tour um, the dispute pro tour, the dispute dispute pro tour. tour. um yeah. and we've praised dart zone in the past for uh their support of the hobby i i It'll be interesting to see how our hobby supports them back after this. I don't yeah. see that. I mean, I don't see that changing. We we didn't go, so we don't have a great view, like a firsthand impression on this. So I don't feel like we're particularly qualified, but we have heard many stories about it. 
to this point. Yeah. All I'm going to say is the real winners from Indoor Weekend, Game Face. Hells <laughs> yeah. They're, they came out with a great blaster. They were giving out free water at just the right moment, and yeah. everyone feels indebted to them. I will buy a Tryon just because of that water. That the Tryon man, it's a sharp looking blaster, and it's and nice, yeah, yeah. it is. It uh, is. One of our one of our B and B one of our squad members won one at FoamCon, uh, and he actually ran it uh, during End War, uh, and I don't think he had any issues with it, right? No, he brought it to the park war we had last weekend and ran it there with the uh, higher powered spring in it. Yeah, and it did great. Yeah, and it was easy to swap that spring out, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's a well well designed uh designed blaster yeah uh it's a quite a step up from them basically reskinning the barrel of the cedar uh which yeah. was their first offering but the other thing that's cool is they have a really nice dart um very similar in comparison to the dart zone um, um yes the chevron dart yeah it, it has a chevron instead of the oval like the original dart zone uh pro dart hit did um and they did say that these will be on sale at every store that they um currently have association with which means that we will be able to get those at Dunham's among other places so that's very cool i mean game face delivered but and competition is good yes mm-hmm. um, so I, I think i mean we can't discount the fact like i don't want to crap on dart zone too much cuz they did show up with a whole bunch of new stuff now at this point, you know, a lot of it may or may not be for you, but uh, but I, I appreciated that they did have a nice setup. I think they were primarily focused on the the tournament, the Dart Zone Pro tournament. They had a photo station set up, and, and their events were kind of outside of the HVZ, and it, it did feel separate and not contained, like and not part of the HVZ because while Game Face showed up and had their water booth and they were hanging out, they actually played. Um, you know, I, I thought dart zone was going to play at some point. Um, I'm not sure if they did, we missed it, but I, you know, I don't know that they play HVZ. They seem more interested in that competition side of things. So wish they wish that they were more involved in the HVZ side of things, but, uh, it doesn't seem like that's their direction. Yeah, I wanted to do my end war moment too, if everybody already yeah. shared theirs. Oh yeah. 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 We only, we've got 10 minutes, right? Yep. So. Okay. Yeah, so my end war moment was I was a zombie. I was playing mission five, so basically final stand, and we were on the knolls where the humans were pushing to try and um, uh, kill the salesman. And you know, people were people were dying or turning left and right, like left and right, because it was you know pretty uh, it was pretty brutal, right? Um, there was like two boomers, and it was yeah, it was gnarly. But there's one guy that comes just running at us and they're like there's zombies everywhere. And we were in a group of maybe, I don't know, um, probably 30 or 40 easily. And this guy comes running, like screaming, like, ah, you know, um, like a Leroy like, Jenkins type deal. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, vaguely reminiscent of like what Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ryan when he's like shooting the tank or whatever um with the pistol and then just running and shooting at us um and he misses me like he dumps like a whole mag and just starts just whiz 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 like by my face by my arms and i'm just like oh okay well i guess you know 
And then he gets right beside me. And then I just, I grab him like, hey, that was great, man. <laughs> and then he like takes his bandana off. Um, so it was very anticlimactic for his way to go out because he just like completely unloaded and he stormtroopered the hell out of his accuracy. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, yeah, that that was, that was nice. I didn't get I didn't get any tags because we played mission four when I got turned and like we basically couldn't find any humans like there was they were all, you know, in their own pods, like on our corners of the campus or something. And then mission five was just kind of like a bloodbath. So, yeah. Ta da. Yeah. Well, all right. Do we want to do shout outs? Yeah, I, I've got a shout out. I do, too. All right. You go first. Um. Shout out to my wife for being Nerf mom for us for the week. And, um, you know, she went with us to the last Grove City and enjoyed it. So she offered to do it again for, um, for End War. And she honestly was a huge help in logistics, um, helping getting us fed and out the doors in the morning. Um, just all around was a huge help, um, and made things a lot easier easier and more comfortable for us for sure so all right so my shout out is going to be kind of a twofer um i'm going to shout out my buddy andy who i've already kind of done a bit his first hvz that was not z13 here in detroit uh and he wanted to make it end war and he was thinking he wasn't really going to stick with hvz but he wanted to experience what was supposed to be the biggest and best and he said he has such a good time that he's planning to do it more now. So that's always nice to hear. Uh, and he actually, we found out today, won the Out of Darts Endwar yeah. contest on Instagram. So, uh, uh, you know, we kind of mentioned that. Shout out to Out of Darts for having this competition that you just had to, like, send some pictures in of you wearing the Endwar bandana with their logo on it showing. and. Uh, Apparently, a lot of people didn't do it, and they had way more prizes than they had entries for. So oh, wow. I did, yeah, I didn't yeah. Even know about it. I, I, knew, I, I had, I a, forgot. I had um, a picture on my phone, and I forgot to do it. Uh, but yeah, he won. Uh, he won a Mighty Mama, the new, the, the bigger Proud Papa. He won a Mighty Mama set with all the barrels, custom color, whatever he wanted. Uh, they're gonna send him a T-shirt. Uh, so you know. Good job out of darts. It was sad that we didn't really see out of darts there this year uh, or at FoamCon. But, uh, you know, thanks for hosting a, a fun little uh, contest. And thanks for picking my buddy as a winner. Awesome. The uh, i do my shout out real quick. So big thanks to Gargunkle Nerf Eric for the ride to and from the airport, as well as the wonderful conversation throughout the weekend. So big shout out to you thank you for all the all the help and assistance there and the the good times that we all had together oh, and he's not even listening right now he had to bow out so he'll get to hear this in post yeah. all right adam shout out oh man um i missed the whole foam con discussion i think so uh there's so many people there I, I i'll just shout out i guess spam and the whole the whole bit of foam con because that was for sure the highlight of the weekend just getting to meet all these creators um was just a really great experience and it was very inspiring um just to meet people like Flagonial and 
Eli and the Singapore guys, Piggy and Gavin. Um, and Liza. Yeah. Well, I mean, Liza's m- newer. Um, but yeah, it was nice to meet Liza. And uh, Shellington Blasters, GDOP. Um, I didn't get to talk to Cobalt Designs too much, but Boomstick Mods. Yep. Just there's countless people there that um, that really, really were very inspiring. And uh, I mean, overall, I I think the people are what make events like this, right? And so I'd do it again, just if just for the people. So yeah, it was yep. really good. Yeah. And also, quick shout out to Flygoniel for being the uh, whatever the ninth member of Detroit Dart Talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where I was that when that happened. I, I want to post this on on uh, Instagram, um, but we have a great uh, face off with the Dart Jam podcast picture. Loved it. Uh, Flygoniel joined our squad, so shout out to him. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, this is another long one, so we'll wrap it up. Take it home um, for Adam, Alex, Eric, and the rest of Mead Squad. Mead Squad. Mead Squad. Uh, We will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Peace. Okay, Stinger, Stinger story time. Uh, you have a minute and 45 seconds before the SD card runs out. So it was the beginning of Mission 2. There was a bowl of macaroni and cheese, and we thought it was ice cream, and it was set in the middle of the walkway. And we were like, well, that's weird. And uh, we were moving through that walkway, and this like older dude just jumped out and tagged two people, and it was awesome. And then Tim lit him up with his FDLs on accident. You like shot five darts into him. It was hilarious <laughs> you lit you lit that poor fucker up man he's like was... this old dude at his first hvz and and like obviously you like pulled the trigger like five times and you lit his ass up <laughs> well that's the funny thing i don't have it on cash mode i have it on trigger mode oh, whatever it was like dude he like put like five darts into him i was like oh my gosh poor guy but it was an awesome tag like that dude made such a great play that was such a good move, that distraction of here's just like a cup of something sitting in the walkway.